Hi, I'm Brad Rex, the former vice president for Disney's Epcot theme park, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Hi there, I'm Lee Cockrell. I'm the former executive vice president of Walt Disney World, and Mickey Mouse was my boss. And you're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Kim Dykes. Hi, this is Kim with the Coaster Challenge podcast. Today I have a very special guest. I'm happy to sit down and talk with Jefferson Richardson, a very creative graphic designer and photographer. Andrew, our executive producer, will be joining us today as well. Jefferson is best known for his work at Kentucky Kingdom and Hurricane Bay, where his work as social media coordinator always lights up the internet. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the podcast, Jefferson. Hey, yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I've been a fan of you guys for a long time, so happy to be here. Well, we are absolutely delighted to have you. Now, I know you from seeing you and talking with you at the Kentucky Kingdom Winter Walkthrough for the past couple of years. For our guests that may not know as much about you, would you please share with our listeners some things about yourself and how they relate to the industry of theme parks? Yeah, um, yeah, Kentucky Kingdom has been a home for me since I was a kid. Um, I was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, obviously went to the park whenever it was Six Flags, and that's one of my early childhoods. I spent with my little sisters, my grandmother, my mom had season passes, so it's very close to home, and it's a dream to be able to work in a place where you grew up and a place where you love, and that's one reason that it's great to meet people like you and all the coaster enthusiasts, just really add to a great experience and really add to what amusement parks are and will be going forward, and you guys really support us, and we really appreciate all the work you guys do, so yeah. Um, I went to the University of Louisville right down the road from Kentucky Kingdom uh, as a graphic design major. And since then, I've stepped into the marketing realm of Kentucky Kingdom. And it's been, yeah, it's been uh, great ever since. So, yeah. Well, I can tell when I'm at Kentucky Kingdom that being there for you is a dream come true because I've (laughs) never seen one time where you actually look like, at least to the public, like you feel that you're working. I mean, you, you I've created, never worked a day at Kentucky Kingdom. I never have. That's awesome because it really reflects on the overall park experience. You all are doing a great job. Thank you so much. So I know you grew up around Kentucky Kingdom. Mm-hmm. What was your first coaster? Yes. Um, I can very vividly remember my first inversion roller coaster, and that would be Grease Lightning. Yes. A Kentucky Kingdom coaster was my first inversion. Um, I believe my first roller coaster, I, I want to believe it was probably roller skater. It was definitely at Kentucky Kingdom. I don't know the exact one it was, but um, I'm believing it's roller skater or Grease Lightning or one of the two. 
You know, that's interesting. I know that I went to Kentucky Kingdom years ago before I became an enthusiast when I was younger, but I can't remember mm-hmm. if I rode any coasters there or not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've counted all the credits that I've ridden now at Kentucky Kingdom, but the one that still evades me until I get to the other park is Chang. I don't <laughs> remember if I wrote it. Oh, really? Chang was great when it was like a Kentucky Kingdom. I remember that super well. Oh, it's beautiful ride, beautiful placement. It, it was a fantastic ride. Um, yeah, missed a good one. I can't remember it. The first one I remember was from Kings Island. Okay, so of all of the coasters you've ridden over the years, what was the one that scared you the most? Yeah, um, I actually have a few on my list. I can remember, again, my first inversion I ever rode was Grease Lightning. And one thing I haven't shared with many people is, um, you guys, obviously your podcast attests to this, but as a child, I suffered from a lot of anxiety and I was very afraid, like, you would never catch me on a roller coaster either, especially as a kid. Um, but, again, roller coasters what is my first big conquer um, of my fear. And I remember that first inversion of a flat ride. And I was like, man, I never could do a roller coaster. Like, this is it. Like, I rode Enterprise, and I was freaking out, terrifying. And it probably took me, like, a few years to ever even get on a roller coaster at – when I was at Kentucky Kingdom. And I remember getting, sitting in the seat of Grease Lightning for the very first time. And I remember sweaty, your hands feel gross. You're, you just like, you sit down and you're like, okay, I'm going to get back up. I want to get back up. I want to get out. Like, get, let me out. But then like, once they start counting down, you're like, it's too late is when you're like, well, it's too late. Let's see what happens from here. And that first time I remember going upside down and the shuttle loop was so powerful just around that perfect circle. Um, it was just an incredible experience. And then you, the crazy thing is like okay i went upside down and on that shuttle loop you start going backwards and you're like oh no now you have to do it backwards but um that was the first real scary roller coaster moment i ever had and from then on i mean obviously t2 just became more inversions higher i remember the first time riding top thrill with my family waiting that long the line is what makes it the most scary part just sitting there you walk under the queue you walk you, you're looking at all these rides but um that would be the scariest moment you did Far better, I think, than I did early on facing fear. For the longest time, even after I started writing, I rode with my eyes closed. <laughs> I don't remember when I finally oh, did as well. <laughs> I know my first inverted coaster was King Cobra. I found out mm-hmm. it was Vortex. Then I rode King Cobra. But I rode with my eyes closed forever. And then when I finally made myself open my eyes <laughs> like oh my gosh what have you been missing and I re- I get what you're t- what you're saying about top thrill dragster that was my scariest coaster but the odd thing with me I was not afraid at all going through the line the whole way through the line I was so confident and so calm but I think now that was kind of the calm before the storm yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, I remember that was the first ride I was with my family, and they went, "What is that smell?" And I said, "I think it might be me. I'm really nervous." <laughs> <laughs> I and I was like, "That's how you know you're scared when you're uh, 
little kid and they say, what's that smell? And it's you because you're terrified of the ride. That's when you know you're you're really about to feel something. Andrew and I have a story we can share with you later about oh, smells as well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why that, that smell happened. That Maybe that's what be, it was. That might be exactly what happened right there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, my fear kicked in when I sat down on, in the seat mm. on Dragster. All right, I get that's, but... that's when it all hit me. And of course, then after that, I just you know, had to ride until the fear was gone. And that's right. That took a few times. <laughs> that was another hurdle finally conquered. All right. So you talked about going through the line queue. Mm-hmm. How were you feeling when you approached the station, those scarier coasters? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, the smell, the, the heart racing, the, the, the sweatiness dripping. It's a hot day when you're in the music park as well. You're a little dehydrated. You haven't ate much. Your stomach is already turning from the funnel cake you ate in line. You know, all those feelings coming together. And it's kind of like the last resort when you get up to the final final bar and you're the next person in line. And then the empty train pulls up and you're like, this is my decision. I've waited this long. Do you get on? Do you walk through to the exit? And uh I was like, this is this is gonna be tough. And I sat down and you're just like, you know what? Just, just send it. Don't think about it, just send it. So um, the funny thing was that when I wrote Dragster for the first time, I did like the parent swap when I was a kid. And um, I was like, my my dad probably won't be able to ride because I'm not gonna want to ride this again. But right when he came back to the station, I was like, we're swapping, we're riding it again. So it's that gratification, right? After riding, you're like, I did, oh, we can do that again. I don't remember the first time, I have to ride it again. That is such a common thread amongst all enthusiast friends that I've talked to is that seems to be the overwhelming response was, hey, now I need to do it again. Yep. And I remember specifically for me on Dragster, you talked about the dry mouth, mm-hmm. the cotton mouth. I was like, why I can't breathe? Yep. You know, just sitting there in the seat, all of a sudden I felt this overwhelming thirst and you know, the whole again thing was, okay, I'm going to have to keep doing this until all of that disappears. And then it's, you know, then it's just fun after that. That's right. So when you got off of the coaster, how did you feel? Oh, it was a great, I mean, conquered something that you were terrified to do. It's like the relief of like, after, like we talked about public speaking, it's like, once you're done, you just get to like, it's over. But it's one of those things that you're like, once you're done, it's like, you want to do it again. Like at first you're kind of like not sure how to feel, but then once you sit there and you really process what you just went through, you're like, I need to get on that again. I need to figure out how to continue to keep doing that. I like that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's inadvertently happened for me too, is, you know, going through the process of that feeling when you get off of that ride and you've overcome that fear, little by little, it's trickled into other aspects of my life you know Mm -hmm. and I didn't even realize it was happening until it happened because you know people ask you know how you know how have you lost all that weight and it it comes down to one thing and I had to really think about it it's mind control Mm -hmm. if you can control your fear Mm -hmm. that's all in your mind that's all it is if you can get control of your fear 
then you can control your mind in every other situation. 100%. 100%. I agree with that. That comes your way. Kim, I, you know, Kim, I've heard you talk about this before, and, and perhaps this is true for some people, maybe yourself, you know, controlling the fear. But for me, and maybe this is semantics, I don't think it's so much about controlling fear. For, for me, having conquered fear, you know, like like, the, like how Jefferson's talking about, we all have our first coasters and ones we're scared of the most, and we've all talked about that. And once we do that, once we conquer the fears in those big ways with that, that, that big coaster, big ride, you know, for me, since doing that years ago, I just don't, the fear doesn't come into play. Uh, now, as, as I've talked about on the podcast and in various interviews, you know, I very strongly believe that fear is not just a binary, it's on or off, it's over time, like a muscle, as you get, as you face fear more and more, as you, you know, f- you know, train your mind that the situation which could be scary, a ride, in fact, gives you quite the opposite, the adrenaline, the endorphins, the positivity, yep. the fun, that your your mind is able to not necessarily go to that worst possible conclusion automatically like it would for most people. And if you do that more and more and more, it gets easier. And for me, it's gotten to the point where it's not just, it's not a control thing. It's just automatic. You know, I 100% agree with that because, you know, thinking about what you just said, that's completely what's happened for us over time. Yeah. Perfect example. You know, we did Falcon's Fury when we were down in Florida over spring break. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's, it's just seems so surreal that just a year ago, I got back on King's Island's drop tower for the first time after a horrific experience over 20 <laughs> years ago. <clears throat> the first time I rode King's Island's drop tower, I just, I had really had no experience on anything yeah. other than vortex. And I just jumped off of it. I yeah. jumped on it and I had to go sit down after riding it. It just really yeah. wasn't a good experience. Well, we went to we went to ride Falcon's Fury at Busch Gardens Tampa this year over spring break. You know, we got all the way to the top. And my son looked at me and he said, it feels like I should be afraid, but I'm not. <laughs> I said, you know what? I was up here thinking the same thing. Let's fly. I mean, we just hung like <laughs> Superman and dropped. And so awesome. it was right. It was right after that. I've I've always avoided sky coasters. Yep. For some reason, I just that's been a fear of mine. Sky coasters. I've done slingshot, but no sky coasters. So when we went to Indiana Beach on opening day, I saw the sky coaster, and I'm like, you know what? If you could do go to the top of Falcon's Fury and just drop, like it was no big deal. There's absolutely not one reason you can't get up there and do that sky coaster. And I went up there, just let go. There was no fear left. So what Andrew said is spot on. It's just still surreal to me because it seems like Mm -hmm. it should be there and it's not. Yeah, I I, talking of the Kings Island drop tower. I've I actually that was one ride that I had not ridden my entire life. And every time I've actually tried to get on it three times. And first time I got on it, lightning legit struck and they closed it for weather delay. I was the only person on the ride. Like me and my family got on lightning struck weather. And I was like, well, that's my sign. I shouldn't ride it. The next time I got on, 
they had to they had to evac it before I could get on it. And I was like, it's just not meant to be, not meant to oh, be. I'm no. just, I was, it was feeding into my, feeding into my, uh, my superstitious. But last, last year for the very first time I sat down and I got on it, I was like, let's ride this thing. And I got done and I got to the top and I was like, nah, not that bad. We, I read it for the first time last year. Um, and it, it wasn't as bad. I, I, I know I'm, I'm not very scared of drop towers anymore. I'm not, I don't think there's any amusement park rides I'm really scared of anymore after finally conquering that fear. Okay, so thinking back to, you know, those first scary coaster rides, what impacts would you say that it's had on your life going forward? Getting on roller coasters, my the impact it's had on my life is, like I said a little bit, um, I had terrible anxiety as a kid. Um, I mean, I was afraid to jump off the edge into a pool. Like, there was not really a fear. Like, I, I remember going to see counseling therapist just to figure out why I was still afraid of things um which later in my life I don't think I would attribute directly to roller coasters but definitely that was the first step that I took um to overcome fear and it wasn't like a it was maybe a more of a subliminal message like thinking like thinking back now I'm like well that was definitely a step in the right direction ever since I've started riding rides and become just more like involved into it and thinking it through it I've definitely been like open to do a lot more stuff, open to be just, just to do whatever, like just get out there and do whatever does bring fear to you. Um, I don't know if you, I follow a few YouTube channels, like S Theory and a few other ones like that, that just talking about saying yes and just doing things and being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, so that's what I've like started to do in my life is just be comfortable with being uncomfortable, which is something that I like to do. That sounds a lot like my son at an early age. He was mm-hmm. actually when he I remember when he was very small, he had a lot of issues with texture. He was afraid to walk on grass. He would you could not get him to go off the edge of the pool. I mean, we would take him to swim lessons and he would just yep. sit there absolutely paralyzed in fear. And when we yep. went to amusement parks for a long time, he would watch his sister ride. The kitty rides. Yeah, 100%. Just absolutely. Yeah. I think the, the thing I'm running into now is how, how far can you take your fear? I'm almost like seeking out what's the next step past roller coasters? What's the next step? Where can you go to continue to conquer your fears? He and I have touched on the topic of skydiving. We're not there yet. I'm there. But I rode a hot air balloon last week for the first time and I absolutely loved it. I was like, can I just jump out here? That's, That's awesome. something else I haven't been on. That sounds fascinating. Well, you might see the Kentucky Kingdom balloon at Kentucky Kingdom this summer. So oh. I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll ask if they can take you away and then I'll ask. Oh, I'd love it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so thinking about all the coasters that you've ridden. I know we've all had some crazy moments on coasters. What would you say your craziest moment has been on a coaster? Um, I would say one thing for me is the surprise of a roller coaster, the surprise of experience. So one thing that I will not do is I don't watch POVs if before I ride a ride. I'll watch one maybe after, but I'm very much like, I want to be surprised. I want to know nothing going into it. Like, don't tell me anything. So... Um, one of the most recent rides, um, obviously went to Universal and rode Hagrid's and Velocicoaster uh-huh. and just 
Uh, I think one of my favorite rides is we rode Haggard's at night. And I've only, the funny thing is the line's so long, I've only ever ridden it at night. I don't think I've ever ridden it during the day. But um, it was just such a fun experience. It was at one of the coaster events and just having a full train of people that you know, and we're riding through it. And of course, it's, you know, and I didn't know anything about the drop. We drop and I'm just freaking out. I'm like, what? This is insane. And we get to the final break run and like, the fireworks start, or the um, the show goes off the very end while we're on the break run. I was just like, perfect ending to a, what, what a wonderful trip. So I would say that's probably one of, I wouldn't say crazy moment, just a very blissful roller coaster, like happy moment that I share. And I just that park is incredible as well. So that's probably not, not crazy. I've ridden T3 30 times. That's crazy. But that was bliss. <laughs> I was just pure blitz. That's that's awesome, Jefferson. I love that your your special moment, your most your most est moment, I guess is the case maybe here mm-hmm. to answer the question, is at my home park and on one of one of my favorite coasters. Um, you know, it's funny, um, David and I, we uh, we're both here. David's here visiting in Florida right now and we had a friend of ours and a friend of the show uh, and someone more than just a friend to the other co-host of the show, Jenna, uh, her, her fiance, Mike, um, he happened to be uh, able to come out here because of his work for a few days and have a few days off. And he's never been any of the Florida parks. He's a coaster enthusiast. He was a guest in our first season, Mike Pass. And we uh, took him to Universal on uh, this past Saturday and the whole day. And another local friend of ours and another friend of the show and guest here in the second season, the uh, I'm sure person you know very well, uh, Tim Holleran, president of Coaster Crew, was a great friend and great, awesome guy. He joined us for the day. We had a wonderful day. Awesome. And uh, we go on to Hagrid's and he'd never been on Hagrid's. And I asked, I always ask when I have someone new at Hagrid's, we're on the line. I say, have you, have you been on this coaster? No. Have you, do you know anything about it? Have you watched the POV? No. And so Mike said, no. And I'm like, I grimace and I snicker. And so then I sat next to him. We sat together on the ride. And when we got in that backward section into the, the cave there, effectively, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I was looking over at him, just waiting and waiting and waiting. Only thing I wish that was different about that ride for a situation like that, if it was a little bit less dark, I get it. Yeah. It's theme, but but I, I saw him and, you know, the surprise and everything. And um, yeah, I I love it's being able to surprise moment. people. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great moment. And I actually didn't know I went to Bush Garden Williamsburg. Um, and I didn't know Verbolton had anything yeah. like that as well. And I was just like, I didn't know this existed in other places, but such a great element. I just love the surprise. The surprise of it's fantastic. For sure. Speaking of surprises, that was one of my surprise coasters I was getting ready to mention as well. From 2021, I had never seen a POV of Verbolton at Bush Gardens Williamsburg. And that was one of my favorite coasters of that trip another one too that was nice that i'd never heard of never seen a pov or anything was powder cake at southern Mm. city Uh, don't say anything kim because i haven't i'm going david and i actually neither of us have been okay speaking of so we're going in a couple in a few weeks so I'll because just, of recency, don't, don't don't say what it is. You can talk about what I'll, it is, but don't don't. I'll just yeah. say, I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I've heard that. It was one of the what I guess the dark horse coasters of the trip. I absolutely loved it. And you know, speaking of POVs, I I need to just stop watching POVs because I very yeah. highly underestimated Iron Gwazi. Oh yeah. yeah, based on the POV. 
and it's Monday number one. Yeah, yeah I need I to, I'm going to be down there soon to ride it. I didn't oh, think you're going to love it. Top, I mean, I, I, of course, I've seen, I always see the drops and the promos, but I haven't watched POV, know nothing about it. So I'm excited to get down there. I'll probably be down there soon. That's yeah. the best night ride I've ever ridden. Yeah, no, you're going to love it. You're going to love it, Jefferson. And, you know, it's funny you guys talking about POVs because, you know, we're, we're all enthusiasts here. You know, I'm sure you guys as well. You know, I've got a number of friends that are, they are the enthusiast plus they're trying to make a, a, a way for themselves, you know, in the industry where they can be, you know, just survive, be self-sufficient, not have a regular job. And they, they're YouTubers, you know, and they're bloggers and, and they, they film POVs and, and, uh, you know, I used to watch POVs more and I just, I've stopped watching them for coasters that I've not been on yet because I don't, I want the surprise. And like, for example, today I, I did my um, annual pass preview for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Oh, yeah. And I did not, I was, I kept seeing things on social media. I'm like, no, no, no. David heard me last night. No, there's pictures of it. No, no, no. And, and so I, I, uh, you know, I just, I avoided it as much as possible and I was pretty successful and it was great having, yeah. having that, you know, first time moment, not knowing what's happened. Now I'm going to jump in here really quick because I'm on the studio side listening to your guys' conversation. Um, there is one good thing about POVs that helped me, but that also helped other people like Logan Joyner from Coaster Kids. When you're somebody who was deeply afraid of riding roller coasters, the one thing that we were intrigued as we were studying what they were about, because some of us, especially those that have disorders like autism, ADHD, they don't like the surprise. Right. They don't. Mm-hmm. That's something that Jeff Joyner right. had mentioned in season one when, when you interviewed him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah. there are some people out there, they don't like the surprise. They need to be educated. And that was me at my time with my Tourette's. It was like what helped me get on those coasters was I needed to see what was I expecting. And even though that I'm watching the video, but when I actually got on that coaster and experienced it and felt the drops, felt the G4, mm-hmm. felt all the, the different from the inversions, that really helped surprise me still because I wasn't expecting how I felt when I went through those inversions or went through that launch. You can see it on the video, but it doesn't give you that feeling. So for some people out there, there are, there are some good things that POVs do, but I do agree with you all said when you become an enthusiast and you're, you want that exciting thrill still, you don't want to watch them anymore because yeah. you want that, that extra thrill still, because you've already gone through in the past that made you an enthusiast. Oh yeah. No, thanks for that point, David. And, and to be clear, uh, I think POVs are great. And for some people, they are critical. I mean, we, one of our guests in late on in first season, uh, Jason Ginsburg, the, the founder and creator of fake theme park. He's not a coaster guy, even though he was posting all about parks but, you know, some of the more, some of the coasters he's gone on, or even something like Forbidden Journey, which intimidated him, he watched the POVs of, and that allowed, before going on the rides, and that allowed him to be, to enjoy them and not be just freaked out and scared, you know, and that's totally understandable. I'm glad that that's there as a service, if you will. But for those of us, you know, those of us who conquered our fears, you know, like we're, we're talking here, you know, it's great to be able to avoid the POVs initially, so that you can have that that wonder, that sense of wonder, which I got to tell you, I'm not going to spoil it to the to the point here. But I had a great sense of wonder today on my first ride of Gardens Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. It's a fantastic and fun coaster, and it's it's just got that fun zeal to it. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's a kind of interesting discussion. We haven't really talked about this much on the podcast, but with other guests about the kind of binary kind of pluses and minuses of POVs. But also mm-hmm. you guys mentioned you, you don't know the forces. And so one of the things I also don't like to watch POVs is they create expectations of, oh, that ride doesn't look that good. Like Iron Glossy, mm-hmm. I, I watched the, the concept POV of it because that I will watch. I just won't watch the actual P- recorded POV. And Iron Glossy didn't look like anything special, but oh my gosh, it's my number one RMC. So. And I can definitely relate to this side of the POV opinion also based on my son. He doesn't, Jay doesn't need, you know, to rely on the POVs as much now as he used to. Right. But back when he was really trapped with fear, you know, like a very big, 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 big hurdle for him to cross was Top Thrill Dragster. Hmm. And he had studied that POV so many times. <laughs> and it actually, yeah, and right? it actually <laughs> helped and it actually helped me when I was in the seat and I was scared to death. I'm like, okay, Jay, I need you. Tell me when we're going to launch. Because I didn't <laughs> think I was going to need that until we were there in that seat. But he knew exactly, okay, we're getting ready to roll back. So I mean, he told me step by step by step. Yep. And in that moment, that really brought me some calm yeah, definitely. That to the was, inner storm that was yeah. happening. Yeah, that was me. And it was uh, the same. Yeah, that was me when, when I made my very first trip out of California. And my first trip was to Cedar Point. I wanted to learn about the coasters at Cedar Point. And Top Throw Dragster, I was just like your son. I had to watch Top Throw Dragster's POV several times times and different angles from outside pov to onboard pov i wanted to get an idea of timing like when's it going to launch what's the process steps how long does it take to get up to the top how many seconds do you have at the top what does it look like feel like turning and then it was like yeah and exactly like like i said you can time it right but how it feels once you're on there is the surprise for for me and like for jay that's what we said One of the big things is writing with someone that you're comfortable with and writing someone that has written it before helps a lot. I know we have a few people that I've taken to other parks since I've started working in Kentucky Kingdom, my sisters, their friends, and giving them that play-by-play almost like is what gets them through. It's like, all right, here you're going up. All right, get ready to go left. Like you have to give them that (laughs) play-by-play. After they do the play-by-play, then they can go off and do it on their own. But it's really that first being with someone you trust, being someone that's done it before, knows the ride, knows where you're going, can just talk through it is, is really, really big. Oh, good point. Which I've seen. That helped me. As Andrew well. has helped me time for time on certain coasters too. He's helped guide me on yeah. some, prepare for this, prepare. Velocity coaster, it was like, prepare for the top hat, <laughs> prepare for the Morsasaurus roll. <laughs> prepare yeah, for good luck getting all those out. Prepare to be yeah. Stable. Yeah, some of it is is to, is to tamper is to is to reassure people that oh, it just because this happens, it's it's going to be okay, even for enthusiasts, because you get stapled on Velocicoaster, but you still get great airtime. So I, I love helping guide people, you know, along the lines yep. of what you said. So it was the same for me on Kings Island's Drop Tower. That was really the only thing that got me back on that was my son had watched videos a thousand times. There's a little click that happens what you're at when you're at the top. You have to listen for it. And after the click happens, I know to start counting down and when it's going to drop. Mm-hmm. And I would not have known that 
Yep. <laughs> Had he not watched that video so many times. So that's what actually initially got me over my fear of getting back on rock towers. <laughs> okay. So out of all of the coasters you've ridden, moving back to the topic of roller coasters, what is your favorite coaster overall? I think most people know I'm a big T3 guy. And I'm staying true to T3 is my favorite coaster. I mean, like, again, it's one of those childhood things that I'll just never outgrow. Like, the first time riding that, it's just, it was unbeatable. Like, it was just the first, like, I, a jarring is the word, but jarring is what it is. And that's why I love it. Like, it's just like a banger eye that I just love the old coasters that just kind of rip you and rock you around like crazy. And, like, I don't know. It's also, like, the history of roller coasters gets me. And the history of T three, T two to T three, uh, I love the old the um the old boomerang or old boomerangs to Vacoma. I just love them. So T three, T two, and T three. You know that's one of the things I find fascinating about being in the enthusiast community is the more I talk to people, the more I have learned that everybody has their own unique, different experience on a coaster. Like you, you're, you're a fan of Vacoma. Me, myself, with the exception of the newer Vacomas like Dragonflyer down at Dollywood, they're not a favorite of mine, but I also know other people that are fans of Vacoma as well. Same with the old Arrow Loopers. I yeah. think part of it with the Arrow Loopers has to do with my height because of the over-the-shoulder restraints. If I'm not careful, my head wants to bang. You know, mm -hmm. with the exception of a few, but I know other people that thoroughly enjoy those old arrow loopers and want to ride them over yep. and over again. So it's always interesting to me to listen to people that, you know, particularly are fans of coasters that I don't like to yep. see what makes that experience a positive one for them. I think another thing about it is who you're riding with. It's huge for me. And so I love getting someone on T3 with me. It's never written it. I love getting on a ride with just any ride with someone that hasn't done it, but sharing T3 with someone. And honestly, it's sometimes like they're just like reaction of like, really? I'm like, yeah. Like, was that not just insane? Like, yeah, but it was kind of painful. I'm like, yeah, but like it's kind of the point of it. Like it's T3, it's terror to the third power. Like terror is anything about the little pain, right? <laughs> <laughs> You know, Jefferson, you, you bring up another kind of fun enthusiast thing that I enjoy, which is, you know, go whether it be a home park, even a park that's not my home park, where I've been to before, been on a, a, a great coaster there, and I go with a friend that's not been on that coaster yet, or not even that's that so park good. yet, and so sharing good. that, it's sort of that, it's one of the things I love, it's not just parks, it's not just coasters, parks, movies, TV shows, there's a, yep. you know, David's been going through some rough times in his life, and so, you know, part of him being here in Orlando to getting away is is, is going up, going to parks, we're doing that sort of, yeah. you know, and road trips, but also is laughing, and because uh, I don't see him yeah. laughing a lot, I'm not, not, to, not to have like a serious moment here, but we were just talking to some friends last night about some great comedy movies, and there's one that he hasn't seen, um, highly inappropriate one, I don't even name the name of it, it's very, very not PC, but it's one of my favorites, Eddie Murphy, and uh, I'm going to show it to him while he's here, and he's going to laugh, so, and it's, I love sharing things that I love yeah. with others, and so I love that yeah. you're, you know, you have that too. And it's and the thing about a roller coaster versus a movie is whenever I watch a movie, I'm like, you don't you better you better catch what they're about to say. It's important later. 
with a roller coaster is no like missing the point. Like right. the point <laughs> is the roller coaster. There's no like, oh, watch this part. It's a good part. It's like no, like they're strapped in. Like you literally have a captive audience on what you're trying to show them, which is so great. <laughs> so I'm very interested to hear your answer to this next question <laughs> because your favorite coaster, you know, is a coaster that receives a lot of hate from a lot of people. So if T3 is your favorite coaster, what is your least favorite coaster? Obviously Velocicoaster. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's Good immediately one. booted for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a tough question. When I read the questions, and I read what's my least favorite, I really thought about it hard. And even like people that I have to show T3 to, I honestly don't think I have, I, I may have a least favorite coaster, but also like roller coasters are just fun. Like there's just something about a roller coaster. It's like, I don't know. I enjoy, I enjoy even the bad ones. I enjoy the great ones. Like how can you get on a roller coaster and not have a great time? Like they're just like, I'm trying to think of what, what would qualify as the least coaster, like my least favorite. I don't know. Did they all have to have a, a quirk or a thing about them that I love? Like it's really difficult, but the, Coaster, I'll have to say, just because I want to answer, I don't want to be non-answer, is I rode not Vortex at um, Carowinds recently. And I just, I don't know if I wasn't built for it or why. Because I love Chang. I love, it was the first stand-up ride I've ridden since Chang. Like, one of the only ones I've ridden. And that was this one ride I was like, I could go without it. I could go without that. But then again, it's a roller coaster. I love, like, you just, I hate when people don't, like, suck and hate on roller coasters because i'm like it's it's meant to be fun one way or the other you just enjoy it like laugh through the pain laugh through the hills laugh through it all like just i love them all it's interesting because when i'm asked that question i currently on my coaster calendar currently at 242 that's the one that always comes up for me is vortex at carowinds and mm-hmm. i remember i love king cobra you know i've ridden some other yeah. stand-up coasters uh, for me, I remember, of course, it comes down to, like you said, some people have a higher pain tolerance than others, yeah. you know, and some enjoy, you know, that impact and stuff. And again, I think it came down to my height. I think the it was head, my height. The opposite. The head, the, yeah. The, <laughs> head ba- the head banging for me was yeah. almost unbearable. I came off with a migraine and I think, you know, had just somehow my head been yeah it was the legs for me i don't know something about my legs i've gotten so much taller i'm at six four at this point and i don't know something in my legs just didn't feel right and i remember feeling that on chang you feel like the the almost leg the g's like they're falling asleep but it was just a different feeling that i just didn't sit right with me but again i 100 ride again i only read it once i would write again but it was it was so jefferson you said you're six four six four have you been on Pantheon yet? I have. I was on Pantheon. Nice. I wrote Pantheon like seven or eight times. Yeah, I did. Awesome. I, I was a little scared. Like, I didn't. People told me going there. They're like, hey, like, Taylor called me. He's like, how tall are you? Six four. He was like, <laughs> okay, I need you to bring flip flops. And I was like, why? He was like, Pantheon's really strict on their height limit. I was like, yeah, I'm tall. He's like, no, like, the tall people can't ride. I was like, what? No, I did ride it. It wasn't, I was, I, I'm probably six three, six three and a half. I, I was, okay. I didn't like, I wouldn't like 
I wouldn't like slouch walking through. Like I would definitely want to follow the theme park rules. I wasn't right. gonna like if they told me like you can't ride, I wasn't gonna get upset. Like I, it's for your safety, and right. I definitely would not like cheat the system. But I was like really scared going there, and I did wear very low flip flops, um, and I, I walked through fine. It's close. Yeah. They, they watched me. They watched me walk through. I was like, "Am I good?" And they're like, "You're good." And I said, "Okay." Yeah, I mean the challenge is, and it's, I mean, you so, know, I, I don't want to go into all the technicals of it, but. It, for them to be really careful about this, it's not even so much a height limit, it's a torso height limit. Yes. Of the, of the nature of the restraints. Which is interesting. And, and the head whip, whiplash, basically. So, and I, I don't know how they've looked at that because it's not, you know, heights, people have different length legs and, and torsos, but, but I'm That's glad. That's the funny that you, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I was like, if I, like, if, it just didn't make sense. So I was like, do you want to measure from here to here? Yeah, it's really right. I, Whenever I wrote, I was very conscious of like I wasn't gonna put my hands up. It I felt like I was unsafe or anything point, but it was right. it was completely fine. Yeah. Good, good. Glad you got on it. Yeah, good. Pantheon's coming up for me in June. Yeah. June thirtieth is the day. It's coming up for David in about uh, two weeks, a couple of weeks. Yeah. I have a friend that wrote it just a couple of days ago, and nice. I'm very excited based on. Have you watched anything on it? No, good. I'm trying to be as surprised as I can. Oh, there's some, there's some surprises on it. But I but I did hear the words like backwards ejector time. Yes, yes. Time. yes. And I the didn't even know backwards that ejector. A, that was a thing. So it is. yeah, <laughs> way to experience that. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to shift the topic a little bit from coasters more to your career you know as a graphic designer what do you feel is your best theme park or roller coaster graphic design or photograph and why again i started at kentucky kingdom only doing media and again i didn't know much i mean i'm young no social media do nothing about the theme park industry do nothing about coaster enthusiasts and i've since even taken on a lot more responsibility but um um there's so many projects that i'm like really proud of that we did there but one of the things like the cherry on top is when i started i had one goal in mind and it was just make theme park like if you're if you're a theme park your your social media should be fun because it should feel like the place that you're going to and that's probably the thing i'm most proud of is like we i feel like have made Kentucky Kingdom's theme like social media feel fun, and that's how it sh- that's how it feels at the park. Or I think the social media should convey what you feel when you're at the park. You should laugh on social media. You should see like, oh, that's really funny. Like, I want to be told that same joke when I get to the park. Like, it should just feel very cohesive as an entire experience. So that thing I'd be most proud of. But of course, like, there's those fun little things that were like oh, on the edge. Uh, I love my the T4 joke. That was great. Still love talking about that. Um, I, I love our April Fool's Day joke with deep, deep water dive. I got covered by the news that I thought I was going to lose my job over. But all fun and games, and it's all in the past. But those are, it's just fun memories to look back at. Yes, and that is something that Kentucky Kingdom has definitely became known for amongst the enthusiast community is mm-hmm. the humor <laughs> on yes. Yes. Social media, it's second to none. You all <laughs> absolutely do an outstanding job and 
I know I and many people are always looking forward to the good laugh, you know, what's coming next. Now, you mentioned, you know, a lot of social media endeavors that you're proud of. Is there one of those that really stands out as the best or are they more on an equal playing field with each other? I would say like the small jokes and all that in themselves are great, but like the bringing a bunch of people together is like, it's almost like the grand project. It's like the fact that like we could bring all these people together that enjoy the content was like the grand project. And like, there's a bunch of like small little things here and there that made one cohesive project. And I I would say there, I would say like the entire thing as a whole is probably my favorite thing. Like just the thing we've created is somewhat a monster. And I love that. Like I loved creating a small little monster and a disruptor for, for the time. So Jefferson, were you, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to be uncomfortable or anything, so to speak, but or were you central to creating this, this sort of cringe humor kind of style to what you guys are putting out there? Was that you? Yeah, I was behind most of it. Like one of the, like we sat down and made key objectives and I started out literally as like, on Twitter, I want to find this to target demographic. On Facebook, we're going for this. Like I, in my head, have all the social medias as a completely different tone, a completely different person, and a completely different target audience. Like I want you to go on Instagram and get a completely different feel and vibe than you would on Twitter. Like we are like Kentucky Kingdom is like five different people across social media, which is kind of what we I in my head like, I feel like a psychopath. I get like I'm <laughs> tweeting out like this guy. I, I feel like five different people, but like those are the like I really studied who was on each of these platforms and really had to think through like, what would this person like to see? What would that person like to see? And so that's where I really like started to break out those differences and like this humor definitely is a little more cringe and a little bit definitely like you're really like teetering that line, like that fine line, which is really hard to do um, on a level wherever you can get a lot of attention. And even when the news follows you and the news can, pick up things and run it on the news before they even talk to you on April Fool's Day jokes on T4. Like T4 is ran on the news locally. And it was a big deal. Like people thought we were getting a new Facoma SLC. <laughs> and that was my doing. I don't know if you've seen that video, but like I went into work that day, like this is my final day. And it was, so um, it definitely learned a lot of lessons, but yeah, like it is like a, it's, it's crazy, crazy mess. It's a monster, but like, it's a, it's a beautiful monster. And I, I love what we've created and, the good thing is we've kind of, ex- I'm working on working on getting a bigger team that we can really help drive the goal and continue to do the work. Because right now, um, I feel like we're kind of missing the mark on social media a little bit. So I'm really working to get it back to what it was. Okay, interesting. Well, there's some goals there. But yeah, as Kim yeah. mentioned, yeah, you know, you, and we're going to talk, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a moment. But, um, you know, what your contributions, now that I know it is really you behind that. You know, I think more on the Twitter side where it's so that cringe humor, yeah. uh, that kind of just out there humor, I, I, I very much appreciate. And while I don't I don't follow nothing against Kentucky Kingdom as closely because you guys are in my local park, I follow Universal uh, much more closely, yep. but I've seen stuff from you and it's, it's mm-hmm. hilarious. And I humor, I, again, I'm just talking about humor a few minutes ago. Humor is awesome. It's important. So love it. Yep, it is. So extending on the topic of, the humor, the cringe humor on social media. One of the things that's always been fun to sit back and watch is Kentucky Kingdom's rivalry on social media, whether the parks, 
like Silver Dollar City and Universal Orlando, all of you are known for, you know, having very witty humor on social media. Talk with us about Kentucky Kingdom social media rivalry with those parks like Silver Dollar City and Universal Orlando. Yeah, no, um, that the funny thing is, is sometimes the best like rivalry or whatever it is, communication between other parks is like completely organic. It's not planned. It's not like thought through. It's just like you throw something out there and sometimes like everyone hooks on to it if it's the right day. Sometimes it gets lost into the Twitter bits, like, and that's just the glory of it. Like, social media is so random. So, like, there is like an algorithm, but like, no one, none of us know the algorithm. So, throwing those out into the world and like, Universal responds, like, take my bite, take my bait, and I'll run with it. So, I mean, it was a great back and forth we had, and with social media. And the funny thing is, is the Silvadar City um, and the back and forth between them before we even were acquired by Hershen before I knew Joey at Silverdar City, before I knew their team, before we worked with them closely, it's just really funny to think back to it. And we had our rap battle with Worlds of Fun with Chris Foshi. And uh, that was a great time as well. And that was during COVID, one of the darkest times for amusement parks. Uh, but being able to get on there and just having a theme park rap battle back and forth and like have people sending both him and me like roast about uh, their amusement park, which is, it was, it was really fun to do and watch. That's really interesting because, you know, one of the things I've learned throughout my experience is life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. <laughs> so yeah. It's very fascinating <laughs> because to sit back and listen to this because a lot of the best things really happened when it wasn't the original intention. Yeah, right. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Sometimes we are funny, our funniest when we're not even trying to be funny and yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah, and, and so I, I've loved the rivalries like that that Kim asked about. In fact, you know, kind of behind the scenes here, Kim, Kim has been writing her her own uh, interview slates. She's doing an awesome job of it. You know, but she's new to the podcast here in the second season. She's doing awesome. But mm-hmm. I did want to. I did have her ask that that question. I asked her because I love these rivalries again. I love the humor, and um, I have to share again. It's not it's not involving you guys though. I think Jefferson again. You love this humor, so you'll appreciate this sort of. Uh, retrospective if you will one of my favorite you know theme park pr you know social media i should say rivalry uh, moments was in the past few months um maybe it was like i don't know three four months ago from where we're recording here where universal hollywood just they were they were being being uh you know kind of ornery i guess and they directed it towards universal orlando and they said Imagine if your park had two different levels. And then <laughs> Universal Orlando's response was so well epic. And they said, Imagine having two different parks. And, and it's just, I was, you know, as, yeah, as the, you know, I think the test of humor for us in this age that we live in is the because of emojis is when you are dying laughing, as the saying goes. And I was dying from that. I mean, it's just, I love how you, and again, yeah. I know it wasn't involving, you know, you guys, oh, yeah. today, but you know, it's, just, I'm a fan I love, of the industry. Like, that's a yeah, thing. I love that you guys you don't do appreciate it. You don't take yourselves too seriously. That's what I love no, about fake theme park. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just, well, by yeah. the way, one thing, because I'm sure you know of fake theme park, right, Jefferson? You were familiar. Yeah, yeah definitely. So we, we, uh, I'm a big fan of theirs and they've now retired, but Jason Ginsburg, again, he was, a, I mentioned this earlier, was a guest in our first season. One of the things I asked him is, you know, why have you never 
interact directly with the social media teams, you know, of, of the other parks and kind of, you know, kind of try to try to get them going. And it just, he didn't ever want to go there. He just wanted to do his own thing. And, you know, he was mm-hmm. trying to be respectful in all seriousness. And I, and that's totally respectful, man, respect there. But I, I kind of wish he had maybe just taken a chance on that, maybe towards you or towards Solar City or, you know, Universal or whatnot. But I mean, cause that could have, that could have been so epic because he's oh, such a brilliant comedian, but yeah, but yeah. just keep, anyway, bottom line is um, keep it going because I love that stuff. Will do, no worry. A question I thought of while you were talking, you mentioned, you know, before Kentucky Kingdom was owned by Hershend, that just made me think of, um, you know, now Kentucky Kingdom is part of the Hershend chain. Do you have any word about annual passes that might be coming that would work at all Hershen parks. If the you're Hershen not allowed pass? to discuss that, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I would not get my hopes up for Hershen Pass. Um, as great as that is, like with Hershen continuing to expand, like, and it's all completely different products. And that's one thing Hershen's very true to is like, Kentucky Kingdom's not going to become Dollywood and no one to expect that. Like, will we? Will Kentucky Kingdom become better and better? Yeah, it's just like Dollywood's going to continue to grow, just like Silver Dollar City. I think with our properties spread out as they are, with how well we're all doing on ourselves, by our, on our own, like Kentucky Kingdom is very much the team it was originally. It's still its own standstill property. We still like fend for ourselves, like Kentucky Kingdom, but also we have those resources. So it's like, um, but I wouldn't expect that. I could maybe see some partnerships I think if you buy a pass to one, you may get a discounted ticket to the other, but I wouldn't expect a Hershey pass, no. Well, thank you for answering that because I know that's a question that a lot of people have had since Kentucky Kingdom was purchased by Hershey. Yeah. And information that will be valuable for our listeners. No, don't worry. You can buy our season pass now. You don't have to wait for the Hershey pass. We'd love to to have you this season. (laughs) I have my season pass. I'm a gold pass holder. Mm -hmm. There's free drinks. So yes, and I've brought that cup to the park each time now. We're we're in good shape. Okay, so you were talking about a lot about your work on social media. Do you feel that that is your greatest contribution to the theme park industry? You know, if not, what do you feel is your greatest contribution to the theme park industry and why? Yeah, um, I would say... My greatest contribution, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's my greatest contribution, but I would, I'd say I'm proud of would be, um, one thing is, is like, I really wanted to one, like bring out the, what, what can tell you, you know, feels like as a kid for adults, for families, um, because there's nothing like that. Um, and so like really just bringing out the fun in the park and, um, that can be done in a lot of ways, but I can only, I can only control so much. So one of the things that I have tried to do is really make an experience, not only when you're at the park, but it, it's the entire guest experience of like the first time you even hear about Kentucky Kingdom. If you've been in the past, one thing in Louisville is everyone, a lot of people have been to Kentucky Kingdom, but haven't been there in 20 years. Um, so like, however it is rediscovering Kentucky Kingdom, exploring, like however you hear about us first, if it's just remembering a memory you had, if it's seeing one of our advertisements, one of our radio ads, one of our TV ads, whatever it is, how you even discover, you see that and you have an experience. And then you maybe see us on social media or you see us again, you see us in the community, 
that's an experience. And then you kind of build the anticipation of visiting and that's an experience, like making all of these experiences out of a guest. And then it's like, you build up to like, you're finally gonna visit, you're finally ready, you bought your ticket, you're planning on going and you get there and you see the gate and like, you've already interacted, you've seen the social media, you've seen the advertisements and you get to the park and then you have that in-park experience and like seeing the in-park signs that we put together, see, hearing the music that we've chosen. Uh, which is a great project on like the music theory of what you hear in the park, the experience, the rides. It is an entire experience. And like just having my small contributions in that journey and the guest journey is just like one of my greatest accomplishments because like, I don't know, that's just something that I'm passionate about. And like, I, I would want people, that's the experience that I would like. And I think that others should have that I've had. So that, that, that would probably be my answer. Okay, so I can get that totally. Me personally, like I told you earlier, I'm 46 years old. And when my mind starts to feel stressed, the things that really help me, you know, with stress control and that sort of thing and you know, getting my energy back and feeling ready to face each day are doing those things that take yep. my mind to a carefree yep. place. Yep. For me, you know, I can... I'm still a diehard 80s hairband fan. When I listen to that music, it takes me back, you yep. know, to just that place in my mind. And that helps. And very yep. much like when I go to a theme, you know, when I go to a theme park, people have asked me, you know, I live 15 minutes away from Kentucky Kingdom, but why do I consider Kings Island more of a home park for me? I think it's because that's where we went every year when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And when I walk into that place, I still feel that same, yeah. ah, you know, the yeah. magic. It yeah. just, and being able to share that with your kids and being able to share that is one of those great things. Like you're letting your kids experience what you grew up as. Mm-hmm. With a complete, it's a completely different world than it's been. Like, it's 20, and I, we, we walk through and they get tired of me doing it, but I do it anyway. I'll show them, you know you know, like what the different theming of the different areas used to be, where certain rides used to be that aren't there anymore. And it does, it, it just takes my mind back. Oh, so getting, I really do think you're very much on target with getting people's minds into that place of yep. when you walk in, the magic is still there yep. because it's something I personally have never lost. And it's a joy for me that'll keep on giving throughout the rest of my life. So we've talked about your work at Kentucky Kingdom and in the theme park industry. How would you say that working in the theme park industry has impacted your life? It's been crazy, actually. Um, I mean, like my day-to-day is just completely different than what, what it would have been. Um, no matter what, in- the industry itself is just a thing in itself, but also the people within the industry are great. And they all have a common goal, similar to mine, which is just great to work with passionate people. And the people like you guys that we get to meet and I get to meet, is just changed my friend groups, the way I interact, the way I think, um, the way I can explain, like, just, ex- it, it's just fun. Like I can work at like an office job anywhere. But instead, we work in an amusement park and we get to like walk out and ride roller coasters. So like just the experience itself, the people, it's the people mostly, but um, it's just, 
it's it's changed everything but it, it's been great and i absolutely love the industry and i love the people in it i love the people that love the industry now you've talked about you know how you've overcome fear throughout our conversation and lots of changes that you've been through mm-hmm. on your professional journey what advice would you be able to give to our listeners who might be on the threshold of conquering fear or, you know, getting ready to make a big change in their own life. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just getting out there and putting your foot in a door, getting out there and just doing something towards the right direction. Like that's really the key. It's like the funny thing is going back to our industry. It's like majority of people that I work with that are above me, below me, wherever they are, they started out serving food operating rides and now they're the general manager of parks they're the president of parks they're the marketing director of parks like just getting your foot in the right direction is the most important thing which starts with like obviously figuring out what you want to do but also one thing that i always tell everyone is you're not going to know what you want to do until you know what you don't want to do so that's another very key thing it's like if you don't know what you don't want how are you going to know what you do want so, I mean, even if you aren't going the right way, you'll eventually get there one way or the other. It doesn't matter how old you are when you are. As long as you get there and you're happy, that's the, that's the key to success. Okay. Uh, I love that. I love I love that, Jefferson. Just, both of those, but especially the first one, because that one is actually very much related to anxiety. And I see this in people all the time. I've got a lot, you know, not to necessarily get ages or anything, but, you know, kind of like, you're, you know, you're talking sort of about ex- life experience. I have a lot of younger friends got, you know, people in their twenties and they, you know, yeah. they don't, they don't have as much experience as some of us here. And, and, you know, they're very anxious about, Oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get there? How am I going to do this? And they, you know, they, they have a goal. They have an ultimate yeah. goal in mind and they're like, Oh, I don't even know how to get there. You know, there's you know, so much that has to happen between now and then. And you know, what I try to tell them is like the analogy I use is life in this way is like a domino set of dominoes. And, you know, there's a number of things that are going to happen. I can't tell you which ones and say what order, but yep. you know, roughly speaking, you know, this, this, and this, and this, and maybe this, or maybe this is going to happen. It's going to need to happen yep. for you to get there. And yes, it is anxiety provoking in the biggest way to think about, oh my gosh, getting all of that done. But the focus, the, the thing to do is to focus on one at a time. And, and again, some of these things are very linear. This is going to happen before this, before this, before. So just think about like dominoes is focus on the nearest, nearest goal, the, the kind of the closest to where you're at. And that's great to celebrate. It's always great to celebrate accomplishments too. You accomplish that. Great. Celebrate. You've gotten one step closer. This is like what you're saying. And then you can focus on that next domino and the next domino. And that helps reduce anxiety number one, but it also helps maximize the likelihood of success of reaching yep. that ultimate end goal. So I love that advice. It's fantastic. Absolutely. And I was just having this conversation the other day with someone else. One of the things I've discovered, you talked about, you know, taking that first small step, particularly, you know, into the amusement park or, you know, coaster community is, you know, course there's going to be negative people anywhere you go but there's a positive energy in my friend circle that's just contagious and I mean once I got my foot in the door you know just as far as socially yeah little by little people started bringing me out of my shell and here I am on a podcast 
And I was talking with someone else the other day that shared a very similar story. You know, when they first started, they were just not a people person at all. And, you know, little by little, they've become very much a people person. And there's a lot of encouragement and things, you know, in the, in the community, as long as that's what you focus on and that's what you look for, you're going to find a lot that's going to help you along the way. Definitely. Okay. So for our final question, we've talked a lot about your work on social media. Where can we find you Jefferson Richardson on social media? Yeah, I'm not on social media. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I mean, of course, like we said, everyone can find me. I can the kingdom, always behind that. But also, um, Jay Richardson one on Twitter. I think it's Richardson underscore Jefferson underscore. I need to fix that on Instagram. Feel free to follow me. LinkedIn, Jefferson Richardson. Anywhere you find me, message me. You'll see me in the park. I'm running around with the tall guy with the camera usually. Uh, ask me a question, ask me to hop on T3, ask me to do whatever, uh, I'll be happy to do so. But um, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. Well, it's been an honor and a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you. For taking time to be our guest on the podcast. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, it was great. Thank you guys so much. I'm, fine. I'm glad I finally got time and we were able to get this pulled together. It's been great. Us too. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today. Coaster Challenge.